Tarot for the Wild Soul, a weekly tarot podcast about life, death, and rebirth. I'm your host, Lindsay Mack. Thank you so much for being with me today. I want to start this episode, our monthly medicine for May, um, with a very happy Beltane to the Northern Hemisphere and a very happy Samhain for the Southern Hemisphere. Um, it's This is my favorite um Beltane and Samhain are my favorite holidays on the wheel of the year. I feel them most potently. Um, and uh, I think that it's very powerful to consider that today in the Northern Hemisphere, we are honoring the halfway point between spring and summer, this time of great blooming of um, sexuality, of bodies, of uh, light, of fire, of flowers. And in the Southern Hemisphere, this is a time of releasing, of shedding the snake, our ancestors, um, those who have passed on, parts of us that have died, and yet they are connected. The veil is thin for Samhain, whether we're on the Northern Hemisphere or the Southern hemisphere. So it's very important for us in the North to remember that even amidst this holiday on May 1st, that is so um, bright and beautiful and all about life and renewal, that the veil is quite thin. And so um, kind of reclaiming that idea of going on, you know, um, playing with the porousness of the veil on Beltane is really exciting and pretty fun to think about because we just don't gift ourselves, I don't think, that uh, thought too, too often. But they are connected. When we are in Samhain in the Northern Hemisphere, the our folks in the Southern Hemisphere are in Beltane. So that's very powerful to think about. Uh, Beltane is a fire festival. It's May Day. This is a honoring again of the halfway point. We are between the spring equinox and the summer solstice. Spring is in full bloom for some of us. It's still pretty cold and snowy in some parts of the, uh, at least in um, the eastern part of the United States. Uh, there is still quite a bit of snow. And um, for some of us, it is really riotous and beautiful. And we're kind of looking to see the fullness of what has bloomed so far in Beltane. And of course, when we do that out in nature, we're pointing that lens out at ourselves because we are nature and there is no separation. So how we can really allow Beltane to be the kind of celebration that we desire is to think about, well, how am I blooming? How have I begun to bloom? How have I stepped into myself more fully? How am I connected to this, to this growth, to this blossoming? Where am I in that point in my life? And I'd love to just um, gift anyone listening to this who is sort of not feeling great right now, not feeling like they've grown, they've changed, they're feeling stuck. Beltane really belongs to you too, because you know, the brain is so limiting and it's so easy for the brain to be like, well, you haven't grown. You're in the same fucking place you were last year. Sorry if anyone's listening with their kids. Um, but you know, in the same place we were, all that stuff. And it's actually not true. Even though I don't know you, I guarantee you it's not true. Um, so just thinking about 
moving and kind of slicing through that narrative about what has been blooming, even if there are certain things that haven't found their way yet to you, they are coming. So we get to, you know, traditionally there was, again, maypole dancing, there were bonfires, there were flower crowns, there were, um, it's like a time to feel kind of sensual and um, connected to nature. Um, There's a lot of that beauty to Beltane. So we can lock into that or not. And on Samhain, of course, we're honoring the dead. We're honoring um, this kind of window that opens up into the other realms where the veil gets so thin that we can connect with the unseen, the invisible. We can connect and go deeper. And to kind of, um, we're kind of working with light, light, dark imagery, um, not in sort of the reductive way, but in the way that we look at night and day. Um, We're sort of looking at that idea in that on one side of the world, we have sunlight and on the other side of the world, folks are sleeping, that there is no separation that on the Beltane, Samhain, um, on Beltane and Samhain, whether we're experiencing it on May 1st or on October 31st, um, we're working with the themes of birth, with death and death with birth, that there really is no separation. So Beltane is like a bonfire and Samhain is like a candle. So it's very, very powerful to consider those two, um, as being what they are. And, um, yeah, for both the veil is quite thin. So it's really fun to play with that. I encourage, you know, everyone to just live it up and really enjoy this holiday in the best way that they can, the best way they know how. Um, I have a very quick announcement and then one little piece of business and then we'll get to um, monthly medicine. The first is that I have a new offering coming out. It's technically out for pre-enrollment and the material uh, like hits everyone's, um, hits the account. I don't even know how to explain that. Basically, pre-enrollment is open for this um, mini course that I'm doing called Nourishing the Wild Heart that I'll just, if you don't mind, share with you a little bit because I believe in it and I think it's pretty important. It's completely new material. I've never done anything like it before. Um, and I felt, I felt very called to bring it forward. I've felt kind of called for a little while. It's a workshop on the sweet cards of the tarot. So queen of pentacles, page of cups, 10 of pentacles, um, the star, the empress, um, kind of the goodies. And, uh, I've really like spent a lot of time talking about the spiky, the, the more bitter medicines in the garden. And this is really about the sweet medicines in the garden and how to work with those. Um, the more gentle, um, medicines, some of them, and a lot of them are really so sweet and so fierce that we're kind of afraid of them, but we, um, assume that because they're a little fluffier, um, they're not as potent because they don't sting or bite. And this, uh, it's about four hours of material. It's 44 bucks. It's audio only. There's going to be automatic download of all the materials starting on May 9th, which was kind of that like confused (laughs) statement I was trying to make a few moments ago that enrollment is open. You're welcome to sign up for it now. So you don't forget Um, there's a payment plan available of two payments of $22 and, um, then all the material, including the workbook will be made available in the teachable portal, um, 
on May 9th. And we're working with themes of how do we trust receiving and how do we trust love, beauty, good things when we've been traumatized, when we have been heartbroken, when we have been decimated, when the beautiful good things that we've had have been, quote, taken away from us, when we've experienced them as being um, here and then not here. How do we keep the heart open, our wild hearts, as all of us have? They all start wild. If you've ever been around a child, you know that. So um, it's really about a homecoming and a really fierce reclamation of these energies. And it's never been anything I've done before because it's been, I mean, let's get like real vulnerable here. I mean, I'm always down for that. Um, I know suffering. I know trauma. I know pain. It's taken me a lot longer to know joy without trying to destroy it. So this workshop has actually been the culmination of the last like 35 years of my life and really the last four since um, stepping into this work full time. So this is really new material and um, is kind of a love letter to all the work that I've been doing um, in this area. And I'm really excited to get to shine some light on these cards in the tarot that are no less uh, important than you know, the tower and death, although they get a lot of the spotlight. So, um, if you want to know any more about that, you can go to lindsaymack.com slash nourishing the wild heart. Uh, I'm also doing a tarot challenge in honor of this offering called, uh, nourishing the wild heart May tarot challenge. And if you want to take part in that, I highly encourage you to do so. Um, you can go follow me on Instagram at wild soul healing and just, uh, check out that the, um, little, uh, post with all the questions and you can just join in. And if you want to sign up, enrollment is technically open. Uh, if there are any bugs or any issues with the sign up, just bear with us and we'll fix them. You know, day one, there's a little crunchiness. So just know that. Um, and again, you can sign up by going to that website. And if you've forgotten it already, you can just go to my website, go to courses and classes and it'll be there. Or you can go to, um, wherever, (laughs) you know, um, you can go to the link in the show notes too. Um, I have, before I get to, um, some words about monthly medicine, I think that was all I wanted to say. So great to do this while the microphone is going. (laughs) Um, let's see, I refuse to edit this. Okay. Yeah. Great. That's it. I have like a list every time I do this. Okay. So before I get to monthly medicine and some words on the new moon in Taurus, because we're not going to have an episode this Friday, um, in just trying to keep with the schedule, but we are going to have one on the 10th of May. We'll have another Ask Lindsay. Um, I want to, uh, make a little apology actually. So, um, I received a letter, an email from somebody, a listener who was very, very um, triggered by, and I feel rightly so actually, um, very triggered by um, some comments that were made between Yaya Aaron Rivera Merriman and I about white sugar. So in the episode, if you haven't listened, Yaya mentions at the end that if there was one thing that we could really do for our bodies that could be a step forward in our 
um, homecoming, um, what would it be? And she answered eliminating white sugar, that she really felt that it was as strong an addiction as cocaine. And um, there were other words, very, very strong words used about white sugar. And I um, let those comments pass, um, which, you know, I could say a lot about and not. Um, part of my um, part of my intention about having guests on my podcast is not to call them in or out, is just to allow them to speak their story, but in not kind of making a gentle comment before the episode or after about those, about her words and mine shared about white sugar. Um, I then went on to say, you know, my relation to talk about my relationship with white sugar and how intense it's been to, um, eliminate it because eliminating it has been a very important part of my life as a person with, uh, chronic pain and inflammation. And basically this person's comments that were very important that were, that I had not thought about and that I truly feel were kind of a misstep was not to also mention that no food needs to be demonized ever. That to even say that we don't want to eat white sugar is enormously privileged, enormously classist. And there just needed to be a note about it. There needed to be a comment and it didn't get made. And I totally apologize to anybody who felt um, triggered. If anyone felt kind of like the comments were reductive or were limiting or were a judgment on their experience. Um, I am a plus size person. I have had a wild relationship with white sugar in my time. It has been the deepest friend, uh, a very intense teacher. Um, and I have a lot of feelings about it. And I am also constantly learning about what it means to be hosting this podcast, sharing my opinions and remembering to be inclusive of others' opinions um, or to provide context for other folks who um, just to make sure that um, if I'm talking about something as loaded as white sugar when so much um, harmful pressure is put on all people about eating sugar, about diet culture, um, I really feel that um, this person really illuminated to me that there just needed to be like a little comment about that. And so I'm a, um, just recentering, just acknowledging, be apologizing and C really just affirming that there is absolutely nothing wrong with any food, eat anything you want, eat what nourishes you. Like it's great. Um, I'm a fan of sugar. I'm just going to say, I also don't need comments from people being like, don't encourage people to eat sugar. I'm a human being. And again, I'm allowed to be a human being on this podcast and just say, um, just say, you know, so, um, I encourage anyone, if you ever feel like, you know, I say something and you didn't really, you really felt that something needed to be included. I encourage you to, of course, email me and let me know, um, if you can be as respectful and as kind as possible, that would be great. Again, I am just a person doing this as an offering. So, um, and I absolutely apologize truly from the bottom of my heart for anyone who felt, um, triggered or, um, unseen or, uh, took from our comments, took from Yaya's comments and from my, uh, from mine that like, uh, 
you needed to release white sugar in order to have XYZ happen. And also, you know, Yaya's comments about how um, white sugar being equated to an addiction like cocaine is, you know, again, a very strong opinion. It is her opinion. So if there is a disagreement with that opinion, you can absolutely engage her on that. But um, as far as I go, I totally believe that there should have been a comment about just the really, really enormous relationship that so many people have with sugar and how really fucking important it is not to demonize any food, including sugar. So I do apologize for that. And thanks for listening. And thanks for being with me on this ride because I'm always learning (laughs) imperfectly and in front of you. (laughs) So thank you for that. Um, now on to monthly medicine. It, damn, This month is like, it's very interesting. It took me most of today actually to get down to what it is about. Um, And and now (laughs) this might be one of those monthly medicines where like, I don't know that I fully understand it, although I can channel what I'm hearing, I think pretty clearly. Um, I don't know if I'm like feeling the waves in my body. I'm not sure. Maybe I am. <laughs> um, the statement, the invoca- the um, intention for the month of May is invoking a new world. So you can really just let that wash over you. We are invoking a new world this month. To invoke is to call upon with purpose and power, with direction, with clarity. And invocation is something that we very often and rightly so associate with casting a circle, with witchcraft, with um, like calling corners, invoking the spirit, you know, whatever it is, um, whatever kind of like uh, practice where a company we're um, familiar with and aware of and comfortable with. The experience that we can have in evoking a new world, invoking, I'm going to make that mistake 69 times on this podcast. <laughs> 69. <laughs> I'm cracking myself up today. That's very interesting that I landed on 69, psychologically, probably very revealing. Um, I'm going to make the mistake between evoking and invoking uh, a lot. So just bear with me. It's invoking regardless of what I say. But if we think about this idea of calling in a new world and how powerful that is, what that means, um, it really speaks to multiple layers. And that's sort of where I want to begin with this monthly medicine, because I'm just going to be real with you. May's energy is very complicated. It's very uh, complex, extremely complex. We're in a lot of different things at once. Things are moving and yet maybe not at the pace we'd prefer. Things are um, opportune. Like there are, there are opportunities, there are, uh, big transformations that are possible and indeed probable in May. And we may be left egoically wanting a little. There are beautiful, um, 
really beautiful invitations into growth, recentering, rebirthing. I would even say like there's a lot of there's a lot of change. There's a lot of rapid change mixed in the flow of May. And we're in a bunch of retrogrades. And there is also a lot of activation still happening, which I want to speak to. Um, so there's kind of this juxtaposition of like enjoyment and discomfort and growth and review and uh, purposeful directed action a la invoking like a lot of I don't want that I want that I'm calling that in and a lot of waiting (laughs) because as many of you have experienced there's just been a lot of collective waiting this past few months. We are in a hangman year. Um, and we talked about that a little bit in April, but you know, something that I'm finding very important to, um, keep on the altar of my heart and remember myself is that hangman is not just about surrendering. It's about completing. So it's about hanging out until something is completely completed until something is cleared out, excuse me, um, so that we don't have to do it again. This is the only way we can go into death, which is really the initiation into the wild and into the unknown. It's like once you touch death, it's very hard to come back (laughs) into kind of like stable land, you know, not that death is unstable. It's just spiralic versus straight line. So I also want to speak to this, um, to go back to this idea of activation So we are in a kind of an activation time. Really, we've been in one for quite some time, but it is pretty intense right now. And what do I mean by activation? I mean that we are collectively, especially those of us who are highly sensitive folks, we are experiencing in body some of the changes and shifts and adaptations that the whole planet is making and how that is affecting these vessels, our bodies. So um, we talk about these kind of themes like upgrading, you know, um, enlightenment, like all that stuff like that. I'm not judging it, but it is, you know, batted around for a reason. When we talk about these ideas, we always forget. My teacher, Michelle, has, has completely changed my view on this. She's always reminding me of this. We have to actually run this shit through the body. That's what Michelle always says to me and to all of the people that she teaches is like, remember that like all this programming, all these things, like all these activations, all these enlightenments, all this, you know, whatever, all this evolution, we have to physically run it through the body's programming. So the body often feels these frequencies of huge activation, which is to say things lighting up that weren't there before. We're literally living in a time on the planet that no other generation has ever lived in. So we don't, we, we can't even look to the elders to tell us what's going on, especially those of us who are sensitive because they didn't go through this. So it is truly a time in the void. And when we, when we get activated, It's essentially running new energy through the body. And the way that that can feel bodily is like a lot of flare up, a lot of pain. 
it can feel like a lot of, um, it can feel like excitement slash anxiousness. We can feel a sense of mania. We can feel a sense of, um, depression. If we want to use that, that word, I don't know. It feels a little bit more, um, general than that, but we can have huge mood swings, really big tears, really big frustrations. Um, a lot of energy that we kind of don't know what to do with, uh, some feelings of connectedness or some feelings of wanting to really nook in and stay in, um, being activated essentially means being really uncomfortable (laughs) physically. And some of it is because a lot is getting plugged in. So the computer brain, body, et cetera, really runs hot during these times. And so it's very important to honor that. It's important to honor it. So if you've been experiencing some of this, it may be indeed that there are life things or brain chemistry things that are unique to you. And probably this is a part of it too. And just know that you're not alone. And this is a huge part in invoking a new world because here's the deal. You know, we talked a little bit about this before when we were talking about Beltane, that there is no separation between us and nature. Like there, we think, even when we hear that phrase, we might think like, oh, that's like a cute idea. Yeah, you're right. Really, there's no separation. And part of the, part of the damage to the planet, part of the, um, consistent, Uh, stripping of resources, like just the hungry ghost energy that has been happening and kind of the, um, it, it is very connected to a lot of generations prior to this one. And in some ways, including this one that have operated so much in trauma and in, um, survival and there's no judgment. There has been, there have been reasons for that. The depression, war, like slavery, you know, depending on where we are on the spectrum of folks who've survived the last few generations, like, um, immense racism, immense oppression, like people have not been thinking about these things, even being able to think about this idea that we're connected to nature is, is not a new idea in terms of like new for these times or new to me, but having the ability to even stop and pause and think about it is pretty new because basically we've just been surviving. And if anybody like me was raised by kind of like an older person who, um, was very much of that generation, um, they will never tell you that they have trauma, but everything in their behavior, everything in their hypervigilance would tell you differently. So it, it really is this time where we can't go any further without understanding that this planet is us, that we are this planet. So when we're talking about invoking, when we're talking about new world, we're talking not only about the world in the body, in our bodies, but we're also talking about the world outside of us and how both of them can begin to come together so that there is no more separation in word, in deed, in um, intention, in where we live. There's going to become, there's like a lot coming around that. Um, There's a lot more, fragility. I mean, the land is the, this planet is still pretty fucking hardy. Um, but there's a lot more sensitivity on the land and always has been, but now it's much louder about even where we live. 
where land will accept certain people. For those of us who've always had really strong land sensitivity, we've probably always felt this. You know, many of us have settled on this land as stolen land, you know? So it is really important to begin to proceed in life as if with every decision we're touching in, giving and honoring, giving thanks, giving acknowledgement that we're here on stolen land. We're here in these bodies, making a connection in service. How can we proceed with least amount of harm, with help? What can we bring to the land if we're going to move away to a different state, et cetera? What are we bringing to really serve that space? Um, this is really all um, quite important. And we can take everything that I've just said about the planet and about where we live as in city, town, state. And we can reflect it back to the body. How often do you put a hand on the heart, hand on the leg, hand on your shoulder, hand on your cheek, and say, body, I'm not going to do anything before I check in with you and see how you feel about it. We're going to do this together. And anything I do is in service to bringing forward what is in highest and best for you. And it's not what an, the next person would do. It's not what I'm being told to do. It's not the overcultural narrative of what I should do for you, my body. It's what you and I decide together. That is an invocation on both ends with how we literally make contact, feet on ground, how we make contact in this world, and how we make contact inside these bodies. That is an invocation that will shift the course of generations to come, that may shift the course of action on this planet forever. And it starts with us. And the invocation brings up this idea of sacred promises, of um, the willingness to try, to try hard, to realize that we're going to fail, to recenter when we do, of being really aware of impact. Um, and... Um, Sarah Godestiner's wonderful new shirt um, that I'm not sure is still available, but um, it's this beautiful shirt of the of Earth on the front of it and on the back. I may be paraphrasing, but it says, "Consider the energy you bring to a space." That is very, very um, much this idea of um, invoking a new world. We are creating a new world right now. There's never been a time that's been like this before in history, in terms of well human history anyway, <laughs> um, environmentally, um, with what's going on in our climate, in connection with all the ecosystems and species around us, there has never been a time when this much energetic intensity has been on the planet. There has never been more pressure on people to wake up ever. And so we have literally new things running through the body that we've never had before, that there's never even been anything written about it before. There's no model for it. There's no, there isn't even a teacher for it. It's really just those of us who feel it trying to do the best we can to bring words to it. And I'm, so I'm not alone in it. A lot of people have been talking about this lately. It's very important. You know, the last few years, there's really been a deeper look at these ideas. Um, we are waking up to this, to beginning to see that this body is this planet. The planet is the body. It's not an idea. It's not cute. It's fact. 
that we are paying collectively for having walked away from that. And now we're coming back home. Um, And again, to bring it to the microcosm, pretty much everything in my growing up between, you know, my parents conditioning and because I I just didn't have parents. It's not their fault, but I didn't have parents who necessarily were really aware that they were in a body and that that body was like an alive thing that could be um, nurtured and cared for, you know? So um, it's really like we're rewriting this, many of us, and undoing the bonds of generational trauma that have to stop with many of us. And it doesn't matter how old you are. If you're listening to this, you're a part of that opportunity. Um, So we are invoking, we are calling in Taurus style, direct, practical, in earthly language, that in language that folks can understand, that you can understand. We are invoking a new ecosystem, a new world within ourselves and outside of ourselves. There is the opportunity for a lot of movement this month. I don't literally mean like we're moving apartments, we're moving houses, we're moving offices, although that could be for many. Um, There is quite a bit of that, but it's actually the idea of movement is going to be a really big part of kind of the collective consciousness because we're in a Jupiter retrograde. And Jupiter kind of being the one that takes us out, that has us like leaping, that really connects us to movement and travel and to uh, all that good stuff. Jupiter is also Wheel of Fortune's card. So if we think about Wheel of Fortune, Wheel of Fortune is a card that has nothing to do with leaping into things. It has to do with being focused, present on the center of the wheel so that we can be carried on the wings of the wheel to the next destination in our life. We actually learn in Wheel of Fortune how to take our fingers out of the spokes of the wheel so they don't get hurt, how to actually just let the wheel turn and stay in the center so we feel as little of the bumps on the road as possible. Um, And it brings a new illumination to Jupiter energy because we often think like, you know, Jupiter, like going here, going there. And it's not always actually about that. It's really about being in right relationship with our movement. So on a retrograde, we always get to review this. Are we in right relationship with our movements? with our actions, with what fuels us, with what fills us, with what takes us from place to place? Are we in right relationship in our connections to these bodies? And of course, there's no wrong, but there may be things that may be out of alignment for us. And if we're not sure, we can continue to be educated. And again, the undercurrent of all this and why we talk about activation is because the planet is changing. It's because this life is changing. We're evolving. It's definitely not the same existence as it was, you know, even a couple years ago. There's some real different shit going down. And it's important to, the more we have respect for the fact that we are not above this earthly plane, we're not floating on the top of a mountain in all white, Although, again, I have no judgment for everyone who, for anyone who's called to do that on the top of a mountain. I think that's, that's great. Um, but that's not it. You know, that's not it. Part of it is to 
become aware of the fact that we incarnated here for a reason. We are in these bodies for a reason. There's a part of that that we're coming home to. The more we are aware of that, of the power and the incredible, um, like, I cannot tell you how transformative it is to really come home to this body, even if it's the beginning stages of homecoming. Um, if we're talking about working with these really new kind of activations, because, um, the level of intensity is only going to get more intense. These, and that's not to be in any way, um, that's not a fear comment. That's a fact that there are not as many opportunities now for zoning out and staying asleep. And because we really like to do that, we're just humans. It's really quite normal. Um, these times can feel really unsafe. So we're really retraining the brain to see certain levels of stress as being healthy, which is pretty backed by psychology, by science, like, um, certain kinds of stress can be illuminating, can be growthful, you know? Um, but we're not quite talking about that. We're talking about more along the lines of evolutionary, um, energy and, really understanding that we get to create through discomfort is really good and that we get to invoke a new world in spite of maybe being in a place that we're not necessarily all that sure of, that we don't have everything we want, we're still kind of stuck. If you want to call in, this is a very like privileged perspective to take. So sub out the languaging that doesn't serve and really bring forward what does. If you are in a space where you feel stuck, you're not really getting what it is that you're craving, you're calling for, there is this recentering of the world that is happening right now that is catching up to us so that the internal matches the external. And the only thing that we can do in the midst of the extreme discomfort of waiting is to go within and to really begin to step forward, to really begin to live in alignment, not only with what's under our feet, but what's within us. And it's really important. And the only way that we can really navigate these times, because they're a change in, this has been one of the most intense months physically or uh, months. Um, since January, I've experienced so much physical intensity and there's nothing wrong there. And there's been nothing wrong. There's been nothing wrong with health, with mental. It's all fine. It's just very intense right now because the invitations to evolve are extreme. So we're building something and it kind of didn't start in May, but it really is ramping up in May. Um, and getting a little clearer on what May is bringing is really important. So the cards are really helping us. And essentially what we're clearing away is more, uh, is a feeling of missing out, 
is an experience of waiting, of pressure, of discomfort, that kind of suspension, there is some movement in May. So if you've kind of been in this experience of being like, oh my God, like something has to fucking give here. There is some movement in May that we can look forward to, which is great, whether it be very macro or very micro. And I also think that with the body, it's really important to begin to write your own rules about what feels comfortable. We're really, this has been sort of happening for a long time, but we're really doing away with this kind of old paradigm of like, well, there are people do it like this. I should do it like this too. People expect this of me. Bullshit. If it is out of alignment for your body, you're not serving anyone by doing it. Period. The end. So there's always ease available as my teacher Michelle says, we do not have to have breakdowns to have breaks. We can ask, we can reach out. So it's really about coming into a space of saying, I might need space here. I might need support here. How can I get that? Um, if we want external shifting, we have to shift internally, period. There's no way around that. How do we do it? We can evoke, invoke. See, I did it again. We can invoke what do you really want? What are you really looking for? What do you desire for there to be? What are you willing to do in order to get it? You know, um, this is trigger warning for, again, just trying to be more respectful, just a little warning. I'm about to talk about my eating. This is not reflective of anyone or what anyone should do. I'm not giving advice. I'm just sharing on my podcast, what's going on with me. Um, as many of you know, I, deal with a lot of autoimmune stuff. And I've been on an autoimmune paleo protocol for the last month and a half, and it has completely changed my life completely. Um, and I've had less pain, still pain, <laughs> but less pain than I've had in years. And, um, I'm starting to like walk longer distances and like really there, there's a lot more movement. There's more energy, sometimes too much energy, a lot of activation, but that has nothing to do with uh, autoimmune paleo. And, um, because I have a very long, very painful history of eating disorders. Um, I have had to, I've chosen to let go of some foods and drink that, I've really become aware have actually not been helpful, but have been not helpful, harmful. And while this is probably the most privileged conversation I could ever have, the idea that I could even choose what to eat, I didn't have that option when I was growing up. We didn't have much to eat when I was growing up. So also the recognition of like my privilege just as a person on this planet in terms of what I've experienced and what most of the world experiences. It's a really strong comment to make. So just know that I know that. Absolutely. Um, but again, I am still a person in the life that I'm in. And it is very hard to reckon with how much pleasure I have gotten through some of those foods and drink. And it has illuminated to me that there has been an absence of pleasure in lieu of those that those things were covering up. And it's very confronting. And for some folks, they're working through it in other areas. For some folks, they're not even in this. But there is a daily check-in with myself. Um, is this thing in my highest and best today? If it's a no, I don't do it. And then there's another kind of layer of grief and of mourning that comes up. 
underneath that that I get to process and really honor. And it brings me a lot closer to my body. It brings me closer to myself. And um, it's been a really frustrating, shitty, hard, amazing, um, immensely privileged experience. experience that I could never have done even like six months ago, much less a year ago or before that ever. Um, I've never been on anything like this where I've really had to go deep into that. So that's one kind of like really light example (laughs) of like choices. Um, If we're invoking a new world, whatever that thing is for you, you get to step forward into that and say, is this supporting that invocation? If not, I'm willing to release it and I'm willing to feel all the feelings of tantruming, not liking it, et cetera. If it's supporting it, I'm going to invoke that in. So we really get to make these choices because again, it's a really big time of change. And this larger conversation about our connection to the planet, to climate change, to us really being the caretakers of this land um, in spite of many of us being on this land in ways that are not, in ways that if we're descendant from colonizers and from folks who stole this land, there's inherent problems with that, obviously. But caretaking a landscape that is experiencing its own levels of um, crises and adaptive species in animals going extinct in plants, um, not having what they need in this real time of climate change and of crisis. Um, that's not something that's separate from us. And although we may know it, we have to know it. We have to live it. We have to embody it, not the problems, not the disaster of it, not because it's, it just is what it is, but the reality of it being able to say like, I'm here and I need to become more conscious, not only inside, but outside as well. So really thinking about that. And again, you know, I told you at the beginning of this monthly medicine, like what I got from guides on this was not what I was expecting to. (laughs) So it's a very interesting download, but I'm trusting what I'm getting, you know, um, we're really invoking a new world inside and out. And that is going to, where is that taking us to the potential of truly aligned living, living where we are really in service of the land, where we're giving something back in service of these bodies being as supported as they can, as they run all this new energy and activation through them, maybe being a little bit gentler with ourselves, maybe shifting the way that we keep time, shifting the way we move through space. And, you know, again, I think I talked about this a little bit last month, but like there is a lot of also quantum change, like time kind of is speeding up. It's slowing down. Like these are strange times. So the medicine has to keep with that. (laughs) But, you know, in May we begin in Beltane, we begin in this beautiful, the veil is really thin in May. So part of this too is also like, we're seeing a lot more. Um, that's kind of the function of the month of May. Um, we're seeing a lot more and we, the same thing happens in October is that like we come out of Libra, we come out of, you know, and we drop ourselves in Scorpio season, kind of everything lights up in front of us because death makes things really clear. Birth makes things really clear. Like we're growing right now in this 
area of the wheel. So in May, we moved from Taurus to Gemini. We moved from this idea of in Taurus of I have to I think. Um, and it's really powerful to begin to think about this idea of Taurus being connected not to finances and stability, but to the body and stability to the connection to this planet. There's something larger that's coming through right now that's moving through us. And a lot of it does have to do with, with timing. And that's part of why the timing in the last month or so has been so crazy where we've had false starts. We've had stops. We've thought we were going in one direction and been completely turned around and are speeding toward another direction, thinking that something's going to go really fast and instead it slows to a stop. So there's probably been a lot of frustration and things like that. Um, part of that is all again, in respect to this body earth timeline where we are getting more conscious, more dialed in of how our everyday actions affect the body. If they're in alignment for the body, what does the body need? We're moving on the body's time because the body is really the thing that is taking us through this planet. It's always been a wisdom keeper. We've just denied it for a bazillion years. So we're coming back home to that. And as we come back home to the body, we naturally come back home to our place on this planet and how we're being in service of it. So it's really this invoking really ripples back and forth through many generations. Um, and in fact, that's really, um, very present in the cards that we pulled. So, um, I'm going to start talking about those. The medicine for the month is page of wands. This is so beautiful. And anytime the month of May feels like you can't see over the waves or when you're speeding toward something so fast, you can't even believe it. <laughs> or when, um, you know, because the other thing too, about invoking a new world is that we're casting a spell. So that spell gets answered with results. So there will be change. It's just spiralic versus straight line, maybe some twisties and turnies before we actually get to the destination. Um, Page of Wands is a two-fold teacher. One, it shows us models for us how to take action in a new way. Page of Wands is the answer, is the, um, the sum, the equal parts, the learned sum of Ace to the Ten in the Wands suit. In the wands suit um, from ace to 10, we really research, um, depending on kind of how we work with fire, we really research this idea of um, movement. And in the wands, if you want to move, you move, even if you're holding a million wands and all that stuff. So we get to we the page and really the court cards are where we learn this kind of wiser, more masterful, more mature energy. The page of wands is the first being that actually looks at the wand before they do anything with it. In the Smith Rider Weight, this is present. This is also present in um, other decks as well. That's a very symbolic gesture that we're actually looking at the wand. Prior to that, at least in the Smith Rider Weight, nobody looks at the wand. They just want to do with it what they want to do with it. 
or they're utilizing it, but there's no connection. There's no relationship. This is very connected to this idea of stopping, pausing, and going with the body, going with the earth, going with the times, with the energy, rather than against it, to really utilize it as an ally. So often the undercurrent in the wand suit is, if I don't do this, I'm not going to get what I want. I'm not going to have what I want. So I have to move, move, move. I have a fire in me. It's got to go. Page of Wands says, I have a fire in me, but I'm going to respect the fact that it's going to happen just at the right time. And I want to be able to complete everything that I'm learning about right now so they don't have to do it again. So the two kind of energies that Page of Wands brings is A, completion. It is very, very connected to this idea of hangman too, of a completion of something so fully, like we don't want to go anywhere with any part of the sake skin still hanging on to us. You know, we want to be completely finished with that. So we can do that. Um, that's part of what it does for us. Um, the way I teach and obviously everybody's different, um, page of wands really resonates to me as being a earth, fire, energy, pages being earth and wands being fire and all court cards are double elemented. And obviously double elementation can change from teacher to teacher, but this is one of the main, um, main, uh, kind of lineages of it is, um, connecting with pages as earth. And if you don't, that's fine, but it's just something to think about that if we're looking to the pages as being earthly, if they're teaching us how to be on this earth and how to carry that energy, their beautiful, pure, young, idealistic energy forward, they really are all teaching us how to wield the suit in a different way. And it's very interesting that folks will sometimes say, like, I've never connected with the pages as earth because they're so young. Young people are quite wise. Children are pretty wise. So we can look to them for a lot of clarity. And two, pages aren't moving. You know, they're not in any way moving around. They are working out how to be on this earth, working with these elements in a new way. They're kind of the reborn experiences, the baptism that comes after the 10 kind of charges us and spits us out into a new paradigm. So we are building that new paradigm right now. And as the page works more with kind of welcoming in and including this earth energy, the fire is cooled. It's tempered somewhat. This is, Page of Wands deserves to be on everyone's altar for the whole month of May. <laughs> because anytime we feel like, why, why aren't things happening? What if it's not okay? What's going on with me? All that stuff. We can just always come back to Page of Wands. He, this being, this archetype is teaching us how to be in the intensity of these times, the fire those um, impulses that we get, the desire to move, and how to bring it down into the earth. How to say, I'm going to wait until I get the go ahead and then I'm going to go. That is the medicine. So if there's anything to like stir into your tea, it's that. Um, what we're being invited to pay attention to, 10 of pentacles. How is this all that we're talking about? How can we heal the ancestral wounding, the trauma? Ten of Pentacles is not so much a card of like wild riches as most people teach it to be. It is the ancestral healing card. And if you want to know more about the specifics of that, we can talk about that in my offering, Nourishing the Wild Heart. But for, for 
this offering specific to this, we see multiple generations on this card. The pentacle suit is about the body. It's about our connection to earth. It's about living in alignment with this planet. That means taking account of the harm that we may be causing. That means really thinking about how the land would like us to live on it. This doesn't mean that we have to let go of anything. On the, on the contrary, the more we release what isn't meant for us, even if we might want it, the more balance and alignment we'll bring to other folks on the planet, as well as the planet itself, and the happier we're going to be. The end. So it's really a matter of saying, you know, is there kind of a juxtaposition? Is there something in here that I am healing right now? All of this coming home to the body is an ancestral healing. No matter where we're at right now, in the moment of this podcast, whether we are in incredible stress, whether we are in an immense situation regarding immigration, regarding like anything, anything, what we are being invited to pay attention to is how a lot of this a lot of what is present in this invitation to invoke a new world within us and without us is connected to undoing some of the chains of ancestral trauma and abuse and whatever. Um, because that's really where we get free in Ten of Pentacles is the undoing and the homecoming of generations behind us and in front of us being healed by us stepping into our soul path. The more we are connected with what's in our highest and best, and it's not baby work, it's humongous, adult, mature work to be able to step into what's in highest and best. But the more we step into that, the more we start to bring balance, the more we come home to the body, the more we undo the generations before us that never had the safety to be in their bodies. If we are still in a place where it feels very unsafe to be in our bodies, we can just start by saying hello. We don't need to do anything other than just to be aware that we're in a body and that um, it just is a one step at a time thing. But when we, around this position in the reading, what we're being invited to pay attention to, this idea is kind of like something to keep in mind, like what we're keeping in mind while we're going about our page of wands work. So anytime we're kind of pissed off that something is taking forever or whatever, we can just come back to, you know, everything everything suggests to me that if I allow this creation of this new world in me to happen, it will inform the way I extend myself into the world. It will greatly alleviate my experience of being more stressed out than I have to be, although there's always measure of stress in life. And it will help to clear away some of the trauma that is coming up for me that might not even be mine. It might just be my ancestral trauma. So we're getting the chance to become a little bit more of how when we rush, when we step out, out of the body in order to kind of push through and do what we want to do, we're actively re-traumatizing ourselves. So we have to just bear that in mind. Um, the lesson of the month is the lovers. What is in front of you? How is that offering you a mirror to yourself? Sometimes the mirror has to be polished in the lovers. So a lot of what Taurus and Gemini brings us is some opportunities to do some interpersonal reflection through something that we're receiving 
outside of ourselves. And that's very lover's energy too. So the lovers really have to do with life providing some kind of mirror for our innate goodness, our beauty that we've forgotten, that we've assigned to another person, a thing, a place. Um, if for example, um, we are really wanting, we're thinking that we can only be happy in a certain place or if we have a partner or whatever it might be. Um, if that's the case that we're really feeling that way, that's really worthy and okay to feel, but the lovers will not come up for you as another person, uh, necessarily, but it will come up for you as a reminder that you have everything you need and that there is no rush, and that there is absolutely nothing to fix. There's nothing to do. It's really about just being present with what is. Um, and letting that be an actual lesson really extends itself to, again, coming back to this idea of the invocation of a new world. Um, what are we learning from these experiences, how does that change the way we come home to ourselves? Because the whole function of the lovers is to take us back home to ourselves and to actually feed ourselves the love and the excitement that we might have about a place, a thing, and a person. Um, lovers card people are very important. Um, if you've taken my course, you know what I mean. Um, lovers card is, and we're, we actually talk about this in the new course too. There are lovers card people that we may encounter in our lives that are not here for us to necessarily be with, marry, engage with sexually or physically or any other way. Sometimes we just get reflections in the form of someone we might not even know personally, but they can light something up in us that we might feel like belongs to them. We might think it's all about them and the magic they're bringing, but it's actually the magic we're bringing that we're seeing reflected in another person. It's a very specific form of alchemy that is hard to explain, but when you're in it, you'll know it. And it'll be really cool to watch out this month to see what comes up for you as your mirror in this way. What we're releasing is five of cups. What a blessing to see this one go. <laughs> Five of Cups is, to put it quite simply, the experience of feeling like we don't know where we're going. All we see, all the mind kind of can uh, perceive are three spilled cups in front of us, two full behind us. We cannot see those two full cups. So all that we're really aware of are the cups that don't work anymore, did work and now don't, or that we don't want, or we may feel like we've missed something. We may feel like we should have taken an opportunity. We may be kind of belabored by fears and thoughts that feel really um, consuming to us. Um, coming back to releasing this means turning around and looking at the two full, seeing, oh my God, I lost nothing. I just needed to grow and come up to a place where I could turn around. I needed to fully process Remember, a page of wands clearing out. I needed to fully process and release the grief around the three spilled ones so that I could turn around and be aware of the two full, of the opportunities that maybe I didn't even see before. So again, new worlds are opening. New opportunities are coming our way. How spiralically? Um, and <laughs> they get to be really supportive of body, mind, soul, and planet. So that's really powerful too. The seeds that we're planting 
and moving into in these ne- in this next cycle is two of cups, very similar to the lovers. Um, I get this question a lot. Like what's the difference between lovers and two of cups? Here's the difference. The lovers is a mirror very specifically that is outside of you that can be nature, a sunset, a person, a, a place that we might think like, well, everything's in that thing. I got to get that thing. I got to get that person. I got to be at that place. And really we can conjure it up anytime we want to, because it's just a reflection of what's in us that we've forgotten. So being in the lover's card is kind of like a very, and remember this is a major, it behaves differently. It's kind of like a wave that like takes you up and around it. Um, There's a current to it you know, that is larger than us. So it's really a learning about the kind of power that we place on other folks and other things and realizing that what we're looking for outside of us is inside of us. Um, Two of cups, even though there is a physical mirroring happening in this card, in the Smith Rider weight, actually has really nothing to do with mirroring at all. Two of cups has to do with um, unconditionally embracing a part of ourselves that we would prefer was actively not a part of it. So similar, right? Similar ideas from in the speaking of it. With the lover's card, we're often not working through a part of ourselves consciously that we don't want to include in the whole. It's kind of like a lost part that we get to retrieve in lovers. In two of cups, I find that people always know if they get this card in a reading or I know if I get it in a reading that I'm not, I'm, I'm thinking like, for example, if I didn't have my back pain, life would be better. If I didn't have this problem with my brain chemistry, life wouldn't, life would be better. And so then what winds up happening is that I start to really go to war with my back pain or with my anxiety or with my post-trauma in some way and really start to believe that it shouldn't be there. And then if it wasn't there, life would be better. That's kind of the specific of it. So the the difference between lovers and two of cups in the, in like the, just like first and foremost is that lovers were not so aware. And then we get to make a choice. We get to decide like if we're going to give over our power or if we're going to reclaim this part of ourselves that's being brought back to us through this thing or person or place. And two of cups often catches us when we're in the midst of this judgment. And so then what we get to do is that we get to reflect and say, oh yeah, is there a part of me that I'm I'm ostracizing from the whole? Can I open my arms to that? Can I let that come back in? Can I unfold and make room for my back pain, for my anxiety, for my trauma? Can I let that be a part of the beautiful tapestry that is me at this moment in my life? I might not always have back pain, or I might, but really just working with that idea, that is really the work that we do in Two of Cups. Lovers has a little bit less to do with like working. It has more to do with reflection, with experiencing. Two of Cups, which is what we're, that's the next cycle, is really becoming aware, going to the next level of body intimacy and saying, what are the parts of me that I'm feeling are actively keeping me from what I want to do? What do I feel? Do I have any beliefs in here that feel like if I didn't have this, I'd be further. If I don't have that, I'd be, because the truth is that 
regardless of the experience that we're having physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, there are journeys that all of us go on in these bodies and in these lives that are not always what we want to do, but they do help us to retrieve experience, all kinds of different things so that we can come out of the experience, having different things to say to different people. And it's part of how we teach each other. If we have gone through something and another person is talking about it without awareness, that is so much of how I have learned. And so many folks have learned through me with me being able to say, Hey, this is what trauma inclusivity looks like. If you're really talking to someone with complex PTSD, you know, whatever it is. So it's the way we learn and teach each other is going down into hell and coming out on the other side. So with two of cups, we got to have the whole, it's like, um, we have to have the whole being present to do that. So we get to really step outside of ourselves and look at us. So you may say it's a mirror, but it's just you on you. There's no other there. Um, and then we get to kind of become, um, married. We get to kind of become linked back to ourselves and like pour love like honey onto a part of ourselves that we might have wanted to do away with, that we might be having some beliefs and experiences about that aren't really all that inclusive to ourselves. So it's just another layer of body reclamation and of planetary reclamation because we don't need to do away with anything. There's room enough for everything. Our teacher uh, for this month is 10 of cups. Where is the available joy? There's so many of these cards actually that are in the upcoming course. And I obviously would never do that on purpose. Um, but it is pretty funny that they're all here. Um, my experience of 10 of cups might be different from yours. That's part of the beauty of the tarot being for everyone. Um, the 10 of cups have talked about it before is not so much about getting everything you want. It's not so much about wishes being granted and things coming true, but it really is about finding presence in spite of you maybe not having what you want. And to quote Laura Interlandy and Erica Livingston of Birdsong Brooklyn, to find the available joy, which is a coin that which is a term that they coined or that Laura coined and is a big part of Birdsong Brooklyn. Um, in the midst of the shit where is the available joy? Um, that is 10 of cups to a T. Where is the available joy? Like even in the image, it's all there. Um, there's a rainbow in the sky and rainbows come and they go really quickly. The children are playing. It won't be long before one of them gets upset, falls down, whatever. It's daylight. It'll be nighttime soon. So things are always changing. The cups teach us this. This is life. Things always change. Things are not always great. They're often really hard. Um, moving through them one step at a time and trying to find the available joy. This is the teacher for us during these times. This is really where we're coming home to right now about, you know, in the midst of activation, discomfort, reclamation of body, invoking a whole new world, experiencing shifts energetically and planetary planetarily that have literally never existed for any other human generation. Um, how can we be with that and still find joy and still activate 
our sense of pleasure and the birthright that, you know, we deserve to experience pleasure, how can that be present for us even in the midst of all that? Um, we have a new moon in Taurus that's coming up that really seals in this intention, like really coming home to utilizing this new moon as an opportunity to say, I am willing to put down roots, to invite in beauty, to invite in receiving love, joy, all of the goodness. And I want to call my body back home to me. I want to move with the body, not in spite of the body. I want to move on the rhythm of what is in highest and best, because that also includes what's in the planet's highest and best, whether or not we know it or know why. So really using that new moon as an opportunity to kind of say, you know, we come into this month on Beltane, we have two days, and then we burst forth in the new moon in Taurus, which is so beautiful. Um, and really leaning into all these ideas in your own way, in your own language and however it suits you best, really coming home to that, planting those seeds of intention around all of this, that we can come home and still flourish, have joy. And in fact, this is really the path to us receiving what it is that we're looking for anyway. Really coming to that is could be quite can be quite powerful. And then of course we have a full moon in Scorpio on May 18th, mage, major really um, tying up this idea of shedding and completing. In this full moon, we really get to complete and shed something before we step forward so that death card transformation can really be complete. Um, I also want to remind everyone, you know, that Taurus is ruled by the Hierophant. So in the spirit of Hierophant energy, it's very important with all things to just take anything that's shared on this podcast or on any other thing that you see and to really just say, this works for me. This doesn't work for me. I feel this. I don't feel that. And to take it further than I am. So it's, it's important. Like what flows for you is not necessarily what flows for me and vice versa. So, um, I really feel like Taurus season is such a wonderful time for like self-sovereignty, like really saying like, I need this and I don't, um, and that thing is not for me or this thing is, you know, whatever it might be. Um, and then I think that's it. This has been long. There was a lot to say. I hope it really served everybody. And if you like this podcast, you know, this is, um, this podcast is always is freely offered. And if you like it, and if you have nice things to say, please consider leaving a five-star review on iTunes. It helps other people to find us. It helps our numbers. It helps all the good things that come with having a free podcast. <laughs> um, and it's a really beautiful exchange. You don't need to write a review, but you can click five stars on iTunes and it really means a lot to us. Um, thank you for everybody who leaves such kind and beautiful reviews. They're so wonderful and make it kind of worth continuing to do this podcast. Um, just uh, want to say thank you to our podcast editor, Chase Voorhees, for editing every single episode. I love you, boo. Thank you for your labor. Um, thanking our podcast artist, podcast cover artist, <laughs> um, the person who painted the cover for the podcast, Chelsea Iris Granger. And, um, oh, and I have one thing to recommend. So my friend, Erin Aquarian, who is an absolutely amazing, um, healer space holder is, um, 
has a GoFundMe right now that is so important and is connecting um, the opening of a space that serves teens and intersex. Like she's just the most amazing person. So I highly encourage you to donate to that. Um, Erin is somebody who gives so much and is so invested and committed to the collective awakening and healing of folks and is so committed to, um, it definitely deserves your money and the cause is so beautiful. So if you want to give back in some way, we'll also have the link to that in the show notes and strong recommendation to check it out and donate what you can. Um, and yeah, I think that's it. (laughs) Um, thank you so much for being with me. Thank you for being present for this episode and I will catch you next week for Ask Lindsay. Okay. Until then, take care of yourselves.